Hey, everybody, welcome back to the Tight Bean. This is the Random Chatter Network's podcast covering the expanse, both the novels and the television series. And we are very, very excited because finally it is here. Season three of the expanse. And we got to see the premiere. And unfortunately, this week, Shannon is not available to record with us. And we are very, very upset about that. But we do have me. I'm Eric. And we have Lou and Andrea. Lou, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. All right. And Andrea, how's it going? So excited. <laughs> about time. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, it seems like they should have got this to us much, much sooner because we're impatient. <laughs> And yeah. that's what you do with people that are impatient. You give it to them sooner. Pretty simple. <laughs> All right. So we are recording this April 12th, 2018. And we just saw episode one of season three. And uh, I don't know, for me, this was kind of about what I expected. A lot of maneuvering and putting the different chess pieces into place. But there were some pretty interesting moments in this episode, I think. So uh, we don't really have any news this week. We talked about the the book announcement last week. So let's just jump right into the episode. I want to know what you guys think of what's going on with Naomi and the rest of the crew of the Rosinanti. We left in uh, season two, we, we left off with kind of a, a, a tense situation amongst the crew. And uh, we, we got to kind of see some movement on it this episode, but it wasn't quite what I expected. What about you guys? What do you think? Yeah, I, I was a little surprised, um, at least in the first half of the episode, when, you know, they're, they're talking with Naomi and it was just like, almost like they were just saying, yeah, okay, yeah, you did something wrong, but we're not really going to fault you for it. We're just not going to be happy towards you. I, I think there should be a little more anger. I mean, <laughs> you okay. know, th this was a big decision that they all decided to do together and, and she totally you know, hung them out the dry and did her own thing. Yeah. And, and not just with a, you know, Oh yeah, I, I, I kept, I kept this aside. It was, that's a, this is a big thing. I mean, you know, not like this is something. Yeah, small. no, I mean, we're talking like, you know, the fate of the galaxy yeah, sort of thing. Yeah. We're not just talking about like, you know, Hey, are we going to run out of gas before we get to the next station yeah. or something? Oh, I, I kept an extra 20,000 myself instead of giving it to the whole team. But you know, no, right. No, this right, is, right. this is, Hey, we have this major weapon that we're going to give to the belt. Um, especially when yeah. she told them, if she went through the motions of driving this thing into the sun. I, I completely yeah, I, agree. I, I think that, in my opinion, I thought that we were going to be right in the moment after Naomi confesses, not jump a little bit forward to something else, like Holden outside of the ship, cleaning it up. I thought we were actually going to see them confronting her as soon as she confesses. So that threw me for a loop. Um, and I do agree. I think I expected a little bit more of a resistance from everybody, um, not just kind of ignoring her once in a while or discussing it outside of her, like around mm -hmm. her. Yeah. Um, so I, I wish they would have given it to her a little bit more. <laughs> I don't know. I think she, but, she but, sort know, of deserved it, but she, it's understandable. Um, but yeah. You know, in, but, in addition to that though, when, when they did, acknowledge her it was just it, it just seemed so off it was like yeah we're really disappointed in you not not like you gave the biggest weapon away to you know a bunch of possibly <laughs> terrorists and thugs um i don't know it just seemed like there should be more and then then a few minutes later they actually took her advice on where to go yeah and they all kind of agree i'm like yeah okay yeah we'll go to yeah the station i'm like why are you still listening to her now <laughs> well, I mean, at that point, so keep in mind, just to play devil's advocate here, she did say, hey, get us to the station. You never have to see me again. Mm -hmm. yes. True. She did acknowledge that they were kind of pissed off with her. And while they didn't have an emotional response to that, they did shun her pretty, yeah. pretty actively. Um, it, it wasn't anger. And I agree with with both of you. I think I was expecting anger. And what we got instead was just kind of a resigned disappointment. Mm hmm. And I, I guess I can kind of understand that given where they are now as, as a crew and everything. But there was that interesting 
interchange with Alex and uh, Amos. Oh yes, I was mm. just going to bring that up. Like, you know, yeah, we're we're not family, mm-hmm. and she's yeah, not who I thought yeah. she was. You know, and yeah. uh, I mean, Amos is obviously pissed, and when Amos gets pissed, he either crushes skulls <laughs> or he just sits there and silently stews. Yeah. And this was one of those situations where it is not outside of his character to do this. And he was just going to sit there and say, you know what? You just don't matter to me anymore. Yeah. You're, you're persona non grata. Mm-hmm. Well, can, so can we talk about the whole fit. not family thing for a second? I, I don't want to gloss over sure, that because absolutely, you know, that, that took you by surprise as well too. And, and we talked about this before in the fact that the crew didn't seem to gel as fast as they did in the novels. Yes. And, and, and I'm, right. I'm sorry if we're going novel versus TV show again, but no, no, it's um, fine. You know, the crew and, and part of it was because we were so much further ahead in the books than we were in the story when the story first happened. It felt like, wow, this is a step back because they were so much tighter group in the novels. But that happened very, very quickly. You know, they went through so much stuff in such high pressure situations that they became a family like almost, you know, what midway through book two probably they were really, really tight. Right. And now he's saying, no, no, we're not family. We're just, we happen to be on the same ship at the same time and do the, do the, do the straws. You know, it's like, okay, well, wow. That's really not well, what I thought but, you guys were. But keep in mind who you're hearing that from. I mean, he's kind of an unreliable narrator. This is Amos. He, yeah. he doesn't, it's obvious that Alex doesn't feel that way. Um, and Holden doesn't really, he's not in that particular conversation, but this is kind of Amos doing one of those Amos-y things. It, right, it's a survival thing for him. It's yeah, like, it doesn't right. matter exactly. who he has to walk away from. She betrayed exactly. him, so he's not going to trust her in that game of survival. That's just who he is. And right. Everybody's going to betray him. Exactly. And so he's to, once they do, he's going to cut him off. When it comes to survival, family doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, <laughs> I, I think back to, it was handled differently in, in the show than it was in the book, but the whole thing with, with Amos kind of taunting the Martian guy about, you know, the soup being anatomically, anatomically correct and, you know, this and that mm-hmm. and kind of getting his, his ire up. And it was meant to def- or deflect the attention away from Holden in the, in the book. Right. And it was, you know, that was him totally being a team player and being uh, you know family or friendly, you know, whatever it was, it was him being a team player. And it, you know, it's like, wow, they, they, so they bonded that tightly that fast, even when they were on the, um, the MCRN ship in the first novel. It just it just doesn't feel like they're. I mean, obviously they want the tension. They want this to be you know better for drama right. and a TV show. But I'm like, wow, yeah. I really want the crew to be a tight knit group. I mean, they they flew that ship like it was you know a crew of thirty flying it because they knew each other so well and did everything together. I think what Lou wants is more lasagna time. He wants those <laughs> moments where they can just sit at the table and just eat like a family. Right. <laughs> It's all about the lasagna. Yeah. But it's really interesting because when um, I think it's Holden and Amos are talking, Amos actually tells Holden, I hate her, but she's right. And that was very powerful because, and again, if yeah. I heard that wrong, then oh my goodness. But the fact that he shows so much kind of like disgust towards this person that brought him down to earth and he thought that it was her rock. It it was pretty interesting to see that shift in character for him. So we, we did see a lot of him shutting down um, because of her actions. That's true. Yeah. Hmm. And I, I, I kind of feel like so stepping back and and kind of zooming out for a moment and looking at how the writers would have to handle this situation, if depending on which route they took with it, if you go too much with the anger and emotional route. In order to keep the story moving forward, you almost have to then get over it right away because you can't maintain a constant state of emotionally displayed anger throughout too many episodes of this series. And you would even go further to destroy that family mm-hmm. aspect. Whereas right right now, they could kind of take things where they're at and maintain that, that tension mm. for a while if they wanted to, if they think that that's important to the narrative. I don't, I don't know how I feel about it personally, but I can understand where this would be something 
a little easier to maintain going forward if they want to make things tense and to kind of keep that as, as kind of a, you know, hey, are they going to forgive Naomi? Are they not going to forgive Naomi? Is she going to have to do something to prove herself? Is it going to wear off? Are they going to come to terms with the fact that, you know, well, like Holden says at the end of the episode in, in an unrelated conversation, hey, the protomolecule's out there. Yeah. Right. So now it's just, we've got equal footing instead of just Earth and just Mars. Right. Because he said so, something towards the end of the episode, too. Didn't he say something to the effect of, I don't even care about the protomolecule anymore? Or, or who has right. it? Because so, yeah. it's, right. it's out there already. Right. I mean, right. we might right. as well you, go. You can't put yeah. Yeah. the cat back in the bag exactly. at that point. Well, you could. Yeah. But... <laughs> I try to. The cats don't seem to Lou, like it Lou, don't but... put your cats in the bags, please. Uh, but, yeah, so I... I, I think we're going to come to a point where they're going to realize that maybe she did the right thing. Yeah. Even if she did the wrong thing, it had the right results. And it's really frustrating that she betrayed them to do it. She made a unilateral decision. And now where do they go from there? But it happened to be the right decision. So I think they're going to ride that tension for a while. Yeah. And you know what? I think that just thinking about it and how it, how the dynamic can go from what it is right now to a more positive um, dynamic, I think that maybe May is that key to bringing them back together. Um, Because in this episode, we do see how Alex and his family, like, even though that they're separated, there's kind of like that humanity, that love towards that. Um, foundation. And I mean, Prax right now, he's not really part of that quote unquote family. That is the Rossi crew, but they're willing right. to help to bring May back. And that's something that Amos right. and Alex are so on board with. So I think that that's where we're going to start to see that healing process come about. Right. And, and this is that one difference between the novels and the TV show that really changes the way the crew interacts, I think, too. Mm-hmm. Because in the novels, mm-hmm. they yeah. had the whole thing trying to rescue May. It was, it was a rescue mission at first. And he kind of hires the Rossi crew to do that. And they didn't do like a, almost like a GoFundMe page, <laughs> you know, their equivalent <laughs> of it, where people were donating right. money and, and the excess money was going to pay for the you know, the, the crew expenses, uh, you know, ammo and, and right. fuel and everything else. And, and that was what really put them on the path of becoming a, a team when you come right down to it, I guess. So that, in thinking about this now in that respect, this is the, the element that we don't have. So now mm-hmm. it's it, in, like we said before, it's exciting to have new stuff in the storyline that we as novel readers don't know what's going to happen. And, you know, it's like, Oh, that's how they're doing this now. So it's a whole new learning curve for us. Right. What about Holden? I was a little shocked at the end of the episode because the the last conversation on the Rosinante um, with Holden, it seemed he obviously had an epiphany. He had a change of heart about several things. He seemed to not really care at the moment about the Naomi situation. He seemed to not care about the protomolecule. In fact, everything that he seemed to care so passionately about up until now was kind of set aside. He wants to go investigate IO, but it was just something about like, it didn't seem out of character because it makes sense. I have no complaints about it, but it was just weird to watch him deliver that. And it it was kind of like, I, I, I don't even know how to describe it, I guess. I think that throughout the whole what are your thoughts? I think throughout the whole entire episode there was a different tone to Holden. It, yeah. it, just the way that he talked, the way that he interacted with everyone and like you said it was kind of like something clicked in him. It's not sitting back anymore if he gives an order, that's an order and the people are going to follow it. Um and, and that's an interesting take on it and that even though he's trying and, and at this point, if he gives out the orders, there is a reason for them and he expects everybody to follow through with them. 
you can see that anger. You can see that frustration, but he's not letting right. anybody else see it except Prax because he was there when the tragedy occurred. Um, but it, it's <laughs> it's pretty interesting to see how... By the tragedy, you mean the, the coffee maker. <laughs> yes, that poor coffee maker. <laughs> it just it, it just like disappeared in his hands. It was just so sad. Um, and that you really hurt. tea. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I really do like this kind of Holden. It's an interesting way of seeing him. He seems, he seems driven. Yes. Yet not letting his motions get the better of him. Mm. Like what we saw he when seems... he was chasing the proto molecule. Yeah, he's more focus-driven as opposed to chaotic-driven. Yeah. Right. I'm, his, I'm curious as to where they're going to take yeah, him. Yeah, you know, his that. interactions between, you know, his his reactions towards Naomi, I guess, are a little bit strange. And, and we said this before about the whole Naomi thing, but, you know, just last night yeah. I was working on some stuff and I had some episodes on in the background as I was working. And um, I watched uh, CQB, Back to the Butcher, and, and Retrofit, and... You know, the, the interaction between her and him at, in those episodes where it was like, you know, she's like, you, you came back for us, you know, and mm-hmm. and and there was that whole you could kind of feel that them growing closer together. And now watching right. this episode at the end, I was like, you know, after I saw those three, I'm like, wow, they couldn't be further apart as far as yeah. you know, friendship goes. I mean, right. he, even earlier in the episode, yeah. it's like, how, how's your leg? It's fine. Because right, oh, right. it looks like that that might have. Kind of hurt. No, no, I'm I'm fine. Right. You want me to take a look at it? No, no, I'm I'm good. It was so cringeworthy when he was letting them know the plan at the very end, and he was just completely ignoring everything that she was saying. It, it was yeah, a slap right. in the face, and I did feel really bad for her. Yep. And everybody else slapped her in the face too exactly. because they were like, "Oh, yeah, yeah, let, we're doing do that. that, right?" And and that's yeah. where I said before that they it was awkward in the first half of the episode where they kind of almost ignored the whole thing and just kind of said, "Yeah, we're disappointed in you," but at the end, that was more of the reaction I was expecting. So it was more high yeah. tension, more we're not going to listen to you, we're not doing what you want. Um, this is the best right. thing for us as as a team or as the crew, and you're just going to have to go along with it. You know, you know, we made the decision as a group, and you unilaterally made your own decision. So that, right. you know, now, now, now we're going to think about everything you say two or three times before we agree to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wonder how much of it's going to end up being sort of a, a forced course correction for her. Like, nope, we're making decisions as a group, and they're the decisions that you don't want. And this is kind of this. This is your punishment. This is how we're going to teach you that we make group decisions here, and that you don't just always get your way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm wondering how much of it's going to kind of turn into that for a little while, at least. Well, I mean, Alex did make a point during that episode. He said, "We all made a decision. You decided to go against it." Right. So yeah, he did say it. <laughs> so it, it will be something that comes back on and on and on again because it was such a big thing. So yeah. You know, speaking of Alex, we had that that kind of emotional uh, message that he sent out to his family. In in the books, we don't really learn much about Alex's backstory until later on. Mm -hmm. Right. Really about any of the characters until later on, but especially Alex, I think. And uh, it was a little bittersweet to to see that. I'm, I'm thinking the one thing that was weird to me is the placement, putting it in this episode... I wasn't really sure how it fit. Mm-hmm. It, it did, to me, it didn't really seem seamless with everything else going on. But I, I guess they, they kind of had to put it somewhere. It was a good scene. It, w- it was great dialogue. Oh, it was good, and, yeah. You know, it was a good character moment. But you were building so much tension in this episode and then have that as kind of a... I, I mean, I guess it, it was good in the fact that you can't be running that, that high level of tension all the time. You need to have value yeah. to let your emotions recover a little bit because it, it did feel like it was a break in the episode almost. I guess, you know, as we're talking through it right now, the only thing I can really think of is the exchange with Alex and Amos earlier in the episode where Alex was trying to say, Hey, you know, what's going on? We're a family. What are you talking about? And Amos is like, yeah, no, we're, we're not a family. We drew straws. Yeah. 
and now Alex is is like, well, no, we're we're supposed to be a family, and so he's kind of he's looking for that. Yeah. And yeah. so that's what maybe, you know, maybe that's the reason that's for the time. That's actually time really it. interesting because... that you mentioned that. I never really made that connection. And mm. I can totally see why he would be brought back to his home. He he yeah. left everything because he wanted to be on a ship. He wanted to do what he's doing now. And the sacrifice. And he wants it to work out. Yeah. I mean, constantly yeah. he's he's trying to get the crew. Hey, can't we just all get along? Exactly. And I mean, he lost. Yeah, I didn't his really wife. think he about that while, while I was watching it either. But yeah, that's a really interesting point to make. Wow, I'm kind of like poof, mind blown. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, I thought that the way that cast delivered those lines and and how Alex was just there, present when he was saying it, it touched upon a lot of forgiveness. A lot of like, I'm not the best husband. I'm a terrible father. But that doesn't mean that I don't love you. And it's interesting. We all make mistakes. We we all are not perfect. And yet there is still that love. And there's still that yeah. family. Um, so it, it was really nice. It brought a tear to my eye. And he did a really good job delivering it. You know, I think it might, for some audience members, make Alex a little harder to relate to, though. Because I think that... Um, for the most part, Alex has kind of been the, I want to say the glue. He He's kind of the heart of the crew. Mm-hmm. And you kind of expect him to be the one to kind of keep reminding everybody, hey, we are a family here. And yet then he's sitting here admitting to the audience that, you know, he has a wife and he has a son. And we've never really heard anything about them. We're on season three now and he's never visited them. He's never seen them. He's abandoned them. And then in this, he admits, yeah, I'm a bad husband and a bad father. I chose this instead of you guys because that's who I am. I'm sorry. But it's interesting because in the previous seasons they do, well, he does talk. I, I don't know if it was with Amos. He does say, I did not like, I have not made contact ever since the Canterbury because I don't want them to know that I'm alive. And, and I, I don't, yeah. is it because they, he doesn't want them to feel that grief of loss and then coming back? Like, I, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's hard to figure out what, what his motivations are for the decisions he makes regarding his family. Yeah. I, I just think it's, it's interesting because in a lot of ways, he's a very relatable character right up until you hit this. And then I feel like most people probably are not going to feel like they could relate to the decisions he makes regarding his family Mm -hmm. and family being something that for most people is of critical importance. That's how most of us are raised. So it's kind of strange to me that there's a certain dichotomy there in, in Alex, he's very much the heart and in the family member of the crew. And yet when it comes to his literal family, you're like, wow, dude, how could you do that? to them? Like well, I, I could never, I, I mean, I don't want to, I don't want to say that I, I know this from experience because I don't, I've never been in the military and never had that kind of lifestyle, but you do hear that quite a bit of, of veterans that are, you know, going on extended tours or, or, or re-upping for another tour when, when they're away, they want to be home. And when they get home, they realize they mm-hmm. really don't fit in. They want to be back what they were doing before. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what he said in the episode yeah. and in the novels too. So it kind of, that, that was par, you know, par for par the same. And it, it, it fit for me, for him. And I understood what he was saying. Um, yeah. you know, he really missed his family. really wanted to be home. The but then he's like, when I'm home, I just kept thinking about, it. I want to be out there flying. Yeah. It's also in the right. comics too. Right. If you don't want to read the novels, true, true. <laughs> ah, see, I still haven't read Alex's comics. It's really nice. I really enjoyed with that one. So maybe you guys can explain to me a little bit about the, the changing the name of the Rosinante. Like I, I can't explain that at all. <laughs> I've watched enough sci-fi that I get kind of the whole disguising your ship as something else. I mean, how many times have we seen that in Star Wars books with the Millennium Falcon and stuff like that? But it was I. Maybe I got distracted in that scene and I wasn't really paying I, attention. I had Is this to, supposed I had to be a to permanent thing? It and I went, what? What? Wait, no, (laughs) you can't change the name. It's the same name in the next seven books. Right. I mean, it kind of came across (laughs) like this was supposed to have been a permanent change. Well, they, they took the whole 
you know, name off the side of the ship and they erase the picture of the girl and I, I ate <laughs> the picture of the girl yesterday on my cake. <laughs> uh, yeah, Foreshadowing. What? what? <laughs> you, you know, I it, baked it, the cake, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get a piece. Oh, oh boy. Well, sorry. You know, but before we talk about the changing the name, something I came across okay. as I was rewatching episodes last night, when they re- when they named it the first time and, and changed the transponder and did the whole thing with the, the magic voodoo over the transponder code, um, uh-huh. they mentioned, you know, he, he mentioned Rosanon, or, you know, there was the whole Screaming Firehawks thing first, and he's like, yeah, let's just announce we're a gunship. No, let's make it the Rosanante. And they talked about it, and, and they said that Rosanante means workhorse, and but they didn't, and I forgot they didn't really talk about the fact that it was related to Don Quixote, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the name yeah. of his horse. Right, and it was it was never mentioned in the TV episode. And I'm like, okay, so there's no connection Correct. between yeah. that and Don Quixote, and then they still have episodes like Windmills, and they talked about Tilty at Windmills in this episode. I'm like, mm-hmm. they they yeah. never even made that connection in the TV yeah. show. I mean, maybe people were supposed to, but I mean, I I mean, I read that years ago. I never would remember that was the name of his horse. But I'm like, you're still talking about the whole connection between that a roundabout way. And now you're changing the name. That makes even less sense. Yeah. <laughs> oh, they better change it back. I, I, I imagine I they, mean, they will. They have I to. Do it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, all those collectibles that, that you yeah. and Shannon just got with your little <laughs> ship miniatures, you're going to have to Michael send them to me because Sharpie and, and write something else in. Yeah. Don't I, tempt me. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. yeah let's, let's name it after a pine tree. Yeah. That's a, <laughs> right. Yes. Hey, yeah, I, I didn't really it understand. Nice. It needs to burn before it grows. Yeah, it that that was a kind of a neat yeah. play on words and a neat neat taking the name, but I I totally It's like the whole entire I relationship it, I of it, I watched ship. it again. I almost thought about stopping the episode yeah. and not watching the rest Ro- of it. Rosinante's a neat play on words too, so <laughs> I say we stick with that. <laughs> I never did read Don Don Quixote or or any of the like I I know the references because I've been told. Right. Uh, I know the general premise of the story and all that, but I read it in yeah, Spanish I, I class in high school when I was butchering the Spanish language. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm so sorry. proud of you. I'm really? Sorry, yes. <laughs> you had to read the book, like the novel in Spanish. Yes. It was it was a very <laughs> wow. Tough. Said, I don't know that I. You do say the name right. It was kind of surprising. I'm so proud of you, Liz. Oh, thank you. <laughs> oh, good job. Oh, so I don't know. Mm. Okay. <laughs> Moving along. I mean, I, I took a couple years of Spanish and I, I hold my own, but I don't know that I could read a novel in Spanish. That's pretty good, Lou. We're going to have to make no. you our, our resident non speaking Spanish speaker. <laughs> Yes, but she actually speaks it fluently. So you're going to be our our mascot here. I can't be the mascot. What is this? No, because we Am can't I make fun of you speaking now? it because you get it correct. <laughs> well, no, because you would do it right. He won't. Okay. So we can make fun I of get, him. Yeah, that's true. Wow. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Moving along. This wasn't the only thing that happened this episode. We had some movement with uh, Avasarala and Bobby. And what's his face? Cotier. Hey, uh, one small little thing before we move on, and I'm not sure if you oh, guys okay, want yeah. to cover this. Um, there was a whole thing, that a little bit of blue goo left in the ship. Yeah. I mean, it was there. I missed it. Okay. There, there well, was. I missed When they were it. welding up the plates or, you know, they were grinding away where it was, and they, they welded that big deck plate back in place. The camera kind of panned down. You saw a little bit of blue goo still left mm-hmm. in between the bulkheads of the ship. And... I mean, stop me here because this could be a huge spoiler thing, but this could be setting up what I've been waiting for stuff. to happen. This could be setting up stuff. Yeah, stuff. So, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm I'm excited for this. I mean, something we want to talk about here, or are we going to wait till it actually happens before we spill that? I guess we better wait okay. because we we can't talk about what it might mean for the future. Yeah. And it wasn't really... It didn't do anything in this episode. It's good to point out that it's there, though, because this is definitely one of those little foreshadowing things right. that as people discover what's going on later, they're going to come back and rewatch it. They're going to say, oh, hey, what's <laughs> that little bit of blue goo there? It, it, it but was for now, 
Right. Oh, For ahead. now, just know, knowing is there is, is a good thing. I just want to make sure we all caught that and made sure it was there. <laughs> Um, I'm going to have to go back and rewatch it because just I think somebody that. sneezed and then that's just, <laughs> yeah, you know, it, it was right after they could, you took that triangular plate and put it back in place on the deck. Um, but you know, it was also nice to see at the very beginning of the episode, the going back to the Arborgast and kind yeah. of showing that a little bit too, just to keep that in fresh in the forefront of your mind that there's more right. going on here than just a war between the inners, the outers and, and Mars. Um, Right. So you just it, that it, whole that, shot was beautiful at the beginning. Yeah, it just made it more in the forefront of my mind. I thought it was good to have mm-hmm. there. So I just want to mention that before you moved on to the next next act. Yeah, no, that's good stuff. All right, so the other stuff. <laughs> you know, I don't know if we didn't really cover this in in the news section because we kind of skipped right into the actual discussion. But you know, there's actually a lawsuit now against. Um, the Sci-Fi Network and uh, James S. A. Corey. Really? Over, yeah. Well, the the interaction between Avasarala and Bobby, and Avasarala is getting all pissed off because Bobby was leaving. Avasarala says, "You're fired." Donald Trump actually has that trademarked. You're fired. Seriously. So yeah, he, so he's suing Sci-Fi now. Oh, come Are on. you serious? You guys didn't hear You're that. You're making this up. No. The sad, the sad part is that it's so possibly real that you guys had to stop for a second and ask me whether I was serious. No, like, I was the, just the correct should have been no way. <laughs> but with Donald Trump, it would not surprise me if actually, you know, we don't discuss politics. Come on. Oh, this is politics between uh, Earth, Mars, this and the is belt. Psychological stability. This Don't is not do politics. that. Now people are going to stop before they actually figure out that you actually made a joke yeah. and be like, "Oh my god, this is happening." I know, right? <laughs> you can send your hate mail to Eric at randomchatter.com. <laughs> All right. So Avasarala, Bobby, and uh, what's his face? Gautier. Gautier. Yeah, but what's his face? It has, He's it has so a awesome. Ring to it. He is. I, I really like him. He, he is pretty bad. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, what, what do you guys think about how this, I think this played out a little different than I expected, especially with Avasarala. Like this was. Yeah. Throughout the entire episode, she was in a position of weakness, not just because of her position as I, quite literally, I guess, a damsel in distress. But I mean, like she didn't have any control over the situation. She didn't have anything she could be a, a way in which she could be useful. Right. And so she was at her absolute weakest. And with her in the past, that's always been OK, because she just kind of, you know, puts her chin up and and presses on anyway. But in this episode, we really saw her kind of express fear and vulnerability, which I'm not sure I cared for. To tell you the truth, I mean, yeah, because in the novels, even when she was out of her element, she was still in command. She was still, mm-hmm. and sometimes in novels, it felt a bit too much because, okay, you wouldn't be that with it, you know, in that situation when it's really out of your element. You, you expect it to be more like it was in the TV show. It was more believable, I thought. But yeah, I'm yeah, so it, used to it her being was such a, you know, a bad, you know. <laughs> to be, you, you can say bad. I can say okay. Well, I don't. I don't want to be in the whole Andrea thing and be you know put hey, in the corner. Hey, hey, I'm not Sorry. the only one. That there there are words. different tiers of of language. Yeah. We don't actually have to put an explicit Andrea, tag on the yeah. show for that. So one. yeah. So I mean, you know, I will say it right now. <laughs> no, no, don't. no, no. Um, so you're right. We're so used to her yep. being this this powerhouse, yeah. even when it's just an act. Yep. Because I mean, I mean, I'm used to her telling you know Bobby, you know, get me control of the ship. You know, so you know. You do this, right. and in this episode it was the other way around. Bobby's like, "You wait here, I'll be back." <laughs> and right. you know, she did her thing. Though, and... It was nice to see Bobby yeah. um, take command mm-hmm. too, because Bobby, she's portrayed as a, a very competent soldier and a very competent squad leader. But then once she's been removed from her squad, she's always been just kind of the soldier. She's given an order and yeah, she has to decide tactically how to execute that order, but never really strategically. She never really has to come up with the plan. Mm. She just has to figure out how best to execute the plan. So this, in this episode, we really got to, to see her be more strategic instead of just tactical. Did that whole way they took down her suit seem a little too easy to you guys? 
when she walks into the room and then they just like yeah when she gets to the bridge and they're like oh where's the flight crew yeah it just seemed way too easy i mean that's that suit is a a pretty sophisticated piece of hardware and to have it just be overloaded by electrical charge seemed a bit it felt pretty silly it did but but so you're right. I, I felt the same way, but then you have to look at it from a, a literal point of view. No matter how high tech you make the suit, that electricity still has to go somewhere. Yeah, so, I mean, what can you do? Yeah, but I'm thinking it's it's a suit that's meant to be in the vacuum of space and a lot of other you know right? conditions. Wouldn't it dissipate electric discharge across the surface? I mean, it just it just seemed like it was a very simple way to disable the suit. It didn't seem. Like that suit would succumb to that yeah, kind of damage. I, you know? I, I mean, I, it, it, it was I'm, fine. You needed something you. to do to, to make that mm. happen. Otherwise, it would have been, you know, a wicked, <laughs> unfair fight. But um, it just seemed like it was a kind of a lazy writing, maybe. Well, I will say this. If you did have to figure out a way to disable the suit for the sake of, of that part of the story, I think electricity makes a lot more sense than a lot of the other options. I mean, obviously, again... Vacuum isn't going to work. Poisonous right. gas isn't going to work. Bullets aren't going to work. Like, yeah, and you had to have the suit it, still it functional. It was lazy storytelling, at, at least in the sense that this was possibly the only potentially feasible way to do it. Right. Yeah, no, I can kind but of see I, that. I get what you're saying, though. Like, how would you not have kind of figured out a way to yeah to dissipate that some, somehow? And, and you still need the suit usable for the rest of the episode. You know, it couldn't be totally disabled. You couldn't just destroy right. it totally. So, right. Yeah. That was my only complaint about that part. But, you know, Kotiar backing her up when she got knocked down, that was pretty good. Mm-hmm. He took out those two guys pretty quick. Yeah. Though I think that they did a really good job of, for all of the non action stuff that we got with the Rosinante crew, I think they did a good job of having action scenes with these three that still felt like the stakes were high. Like it, it still brought some intensity to it. It wasn't just, you know, sometimes I'm watching shows like I watch the Arrowverse shows on, on CW, like Arrow and Flash and, and et cetera. And sometimes when they get to the fight scene, you know, I've got my phone out and I'm on our discord server or something like that. Cause it's like, okay, insert fight scene here. And the choreography <laughs> on those shows are really good, but you, you already know going into the fight scene, how the fight scene is going to end up. So you don't really have to watch it. You can kind of listen to it and, and stuff <laughs> with the expanse though. They do a really good job in scenes like this of, of keeping the intensity level where you really want to pay attention and, and really focus on what's going on. It was interesting because I kept on thinking doors and corners, that's where they get you. Every single time that they were walking through a hallway, yeah. I was like, yeah. oh, something's yeah. going to happen. Um, but I really enjoyed the just interactions between all three of them. I found myself in my notes writing LOL a lot of the time because <laughs> there were some good moments between yeah. them. And, and it made the final moments between um, Vassarala and Cotier really nice. And, and I really appreciated that yeah bond that they created and it really emotional and i really enjoyed it 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 was a lot of fun i like that bobby just seems she's on the right track to not giving two beeps about what avasarala says and that's really cool because she is going to stand her ground and avasarala is almost going to find her equal because She's not going right. to budge. And I like that. I like seeing those interactions between these two powerful women. Yeah. They're really learning their place in their relationship with one another. Mm-hmm. Bobby's not willing to just be a welcome mat. And Avasrala is starting to accept that. And yet also isn't going to let Bobby run the show either. So there's, they're really starting to position themselves into uh, a relationship that, works well together yeah and to be honest i think that all three of them stole this episode i found myself (laughs) enjoying a lot of those moments with them especially when bobby says that she'll pick her up (laughs) if she's not gonna move i thought that was pretty nice so i agree you know i think that i liked this the scenes here better than I did with the Rosinante crew. And I don't know if it was the intensity level or the action. Uh, I'm not an action junkie when it comes to shows like this, but I think there was just something about the interactions and uh, the stakes and 
what was going on that I liked these scenes better. So, and then of course, at the end, we get the introduction of the Razorback. Yeah. That was special. That was nice. <laughs> I, I, uh, so it was awesome and I love it. Except. Oh, except yes, I know. But, but I understand that the problem is with me. I, <laughs> it's not me. The, it's the you. Ship, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. It, it's not you. It's me. It's the ship designs. It's like, this is basically just a, a triangle. Like it's, it's a cone that's triangular instead of conical. It, it's just like, there's <laughs> nothing to the ship design, but you know, I grew up with things like the millennium Falcon and X wings and like, these things that are kind of ridiculous and don't really have a lot of practical <laughs> uh, physics-based design to them. Like the bomber. And then we get the expanse. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. <laughs> and here in the expanse, everything does make sense from a physics point of view. But then it's like, oh, okay, well, somebody broke the, the arrowhead <laughs> off of an arrow and that's their ship. It's like, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, it was different than I expected it to be, but I thought the execution of it in the episode was, was excellent. I mean, absolutely. The, the visuals were great. It made you feel like it was really a ship meant to race and, mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, and do high G maneuvers. Um, so that, that, that oh, was very cockpit. cool. Yeah. The interior really exemplified it. Yeah. I mean, for as much as I was not impressed with the outside, the interior was freaking incredible. Yeah. It was awesome. I, I really enjoyed I, it. I liked the glimpse of Julie in like yeah. within the Razorback. That was really nice. She's gone but not forgotten. And I like I really like that throwback because it reminds everybody that probably ha hasn't cl clicked in that that was her ship. And that's very nice. And um, I, I don't know too much about it, but at the very end, there's a shot of the side of the Razorback and it has all the different um, ships and the sponsors. Yeah. Is it? No, 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 no. Well, well, yeah. Yeah. Different, definitely silhouettes on the outside of the ship. I yes, saw the silhouettes, different, yes. different, oh, different right, aircraft, right, right, right. Not okay. aircraft, but yes. different ships, I guess. Yeah. And that was a pretty yeah. nice detail. I don't know what they were supposed to yeah, be. Like well, what the, was, the what was it supposed to represent? Are the ships she okay. owned or? Um, no, maybe no, the no, ones no. that she beat in oh, other maybe, races yeah, or something. Yeah. Because when they first introduced it, they first opened up the the bay doors on it. I th I thought there was like writing on the side, and I thought maybe that were like racing sponsors, like you know NASCAR cars. Oh, maybe have yeah. I mean, it definitely said Razorback. But then on the it silhouettes were different. Yep. Yeah, I think a lot of people have probably forgotten that this is Julie Mao's ship. I mean, it, the books they really kind of um, it, it's hard to miss. Right, the mm -hmm. books really put it in your face. Yeah, but in the show, it's been long enough now that I wonder if, if maybe some people are forgetting it. So, but I I loved the uh, the end of that, and again the interior of the ship. Um, Avasarala obviously not liking space travel <laughs> at all. Yeah, I liked it when they told her to and take her earrings here. out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, before we move on to the feedback, anything else from? Uh, from this episode that kind of stands out to you guys. We didn't have a lot of really, really monumental, um, memorable things in this episode that I think that aren't going to be overpowered by things coming up other than perhaps just the introduction of the Razorback. But there were a lot of good character. Yeah, there, there was still, that. And, and then there was and the it was whole definitely movement. You know, the, the other aspect or the third beat of the storyline was the whole, Tension between the UN and Mars and the war coming. Oh, yeah. Aaron Reich. Aaron Reich, you know, totally yeah. backstabbing, you know, mm -hmm. Avicerala. Right. So that, and that, and, and again, it's one of those things where it's, it's really new in the way they're introducing this stuff. So it's keeping me interested. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some good uh, seed planting there for what's to come. Obviously, there's going to be. There are going to be ramifications of all of that down the road. That's that was really good as well. Okay, so I have something about the design of the Razorback. Um, the Expanse writers actually said they borrowed from Virgin Galactic's DNA of flight with slight modifications for the Razorback. So um, hmm. they used a little okay. homage to that. Yeah. 
Okay. So you have to take a look cool. at it. It's really nice. All right. So what do we have for our listener feedback this week? What did we ask our listeners? We Andrea? asked them what was their favorite moment and favorite line of episode one. And that was pretty exciting. We got a lot, a lot of responses. Um, so if you do not hear your name this time, keep sending us every single week your responses because you might be featured in one of the episodes. Um, and just because we don't mention you in an episode doesn't mean that we're not still reading what you're saying and and looking at yeah. it and digesting it like we still consume this stuff so don't think just because we're not mentioning it that we're not paying attention and, and getting something from what you're sending exactly yes we're always retweeting we're always talking about it so we really appreciate mm -hmm. the love um so we have a couple um mj she said that the, the quote hit your tits and pucker up it's time to peel the paint is her favorite line of this episode um ski crew she said that moment of avasarala and cotier parting so surprisingly emotional and i do agree with that uh craig he said favorite moment so many but i have to choose if i had to choose i would say the whole bobby avasarala cotier sequence at the start funny sweet strong scared brilliant um and Tumbrelite said, if I have to choose one, it's the Razorback. They definitely captured the idea that it is a fast as hell. Yeah. Um, and I really do think that. I think that it would go pretty far. Real Alec mm -hmm. um, said, favorite moment, finally seeing the Razorback after two seasons of wandering. Favorite quote, we promised to find his daughter. And we've done everything but that. And I do like that quote. It's very interesting. Um, yeah. Crystal says everything Cotier and Abasarala and then Bobby's, do you want me to pick her up? And I do agree with that one. I had a good chuckle. Um, Carlos actually mentioned drummer. That drummer was one of his favorite parts of this episode. And um, Praxis quote, you should try teeth. Um, I do agree mm -hmm. that we are starting to see that angry drummer side. Um, and this is something that I did mention um, in our um, last episode that I'm really excited to see what they're going to do with her character because there is a lot of anger within her. Um, and she was pretty intimidating in this episode when she was talking to Fred Johnson. Um, yeah. Cabin Boy, one last um shout out he says um the quote between chris jen and um cotier where she says you've done your plan and a great service and then he says she says that to everyone i thought that was a really nice one so yes those yeah. are some of the ones that honorable mentions nice i gotta tell you that the writing of the dialogue on this show is really spot mm -hmm. on I mean, the overall writing is good, but then specifically, like, the craftsmanship of how things are worded is really good. So, all right. Well, thank you, everybody, for sending that stuff in. And uh, like Andrea said, keep it coming. We want to continue to hear from all of you. That is going to wrap up this episode of The Type Beam. The best way to send us feedback and questions and comments is going to be through email. You can send it to typebeam at randomchatter.com. However, as Andrea pointed out, we are very active on Twitter as well. So follow us on Twitter. It's at the typebeam. Don't forget the the. <laughs> the Random Chatter Network is just at Random Chatter. I'm on Twitter at Eric Blythe. That's E-R-I-K-B-L-Y-T-H-E. Lou, where can we find you on Twitter? Oh, uh, just my name. It's at Lou Secchi. That's L-O-U-S-E-C-K-I. S-E-C-K-S. So no Zeds in there. <laughs> no. No, I'll save those for Andrea. Okay. Andrea, what about what about you? You can find me at Cats Bears. That's K-A-T-Z-B-E-A-R-Z. All right. And Shannon is not here, but if she were, where would we be able to find her on Twitter? You can find her at Chank Beasy. <laughs> All right. Let's see. There's an Instagram account for the Random Chatter Network. It's just Random Chatter. And uh, if you haven't already checked out the network, go to randomchatter.com. We've got lots of podcasts there, lots of great shows run by great hosts. And I say that specifically because I don't run them all. 
So uh, you should check out the other shows because they're really good too. Um, we would really, really appreciate your support for the show. And one of the best ways you can do that is to leave reviews, especially in iTunes. So please uh, leave some reviews, not just, you know, clicking on how many stars you like the show, but typing something up, just even if it's something very short and sweet, uh, that that kind of helps our exposure. It, it helps get the word of mouth out to other people. But then word of mouth just on your own. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably like The Expanse enough that you're talking to somebody about it somewhere. So spread the word. Tell your friends about us. Let them know that there's a, a new podcast called The Type Beam and that they might want to check it out. And of course, share us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, I don't know, whatever you young kids are doing <laughs> these days. It's not but, just the uh, young you know, kids, Eric. And, and kind of retweet stuff. And What's that? It's not just the young kids, okay? Oh, okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, you know, another way you can support us is on Patreon. You're probably already familiar with Patreon. It's a way that you can help support us financially to offset the costs of running the network, but then also in a way that we can give something back to you. And uh, we've placed what I believe to be our most important perk at the lowest donation level, just $1 a month that gets you access to our entire Discord server. Anybody can join our Discord server for free and get into the main lobby channel and the announcements channel. You can do that just by going to randomchatter.com slash Discord. But we have a lot more in Discord. We've got all kinds of different categories with individual channels for The Expanse. We've got a spoiler channel for The Expanse. We've got Star Wars. We've got Star Trek. We've got television shows in general, uh, Westworld, Game of Thrones, down to pets and food and exercise, all kinds of stuff. So just $1 a month. Not only does that help out the network quite a bit, actually. I mean, we, we go for... Uh, trying to do a quantity of the small donations and uh, use that to offset our costs. So we really appreciate all of our donors. If you'd like information on how to join, go to randomchatter.com slash Patreon. And finally, the music you hear in this episode is Ursa Minor by Seldweller and the Silliest of Sentence Sounds. All trademarks are owned by their respective owners. So we will see you back here next week after the second episode of Season 3 of The Expanse. Until then, take care.